Maybe I, I should stick with. I, I feel like, hello, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical liberal. Oh, see, look, look what's happened. The lackadaisical liberal cubicleist. You know what's interesting? I try, uh, like, if I try to say liberal cubicleist without saying uh, my name is Jordan Maywood, the lack, like, sometimes I, I, I'm unable is too strong a word, but have difficulty. Let's say. So that's interesting. What else is interesting? Well, we made it. We made it to this post, you know, uh, 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 600 uh, world, 599 world, which is interesting and a little bit nervousening because, you know, the training wheels are off, I suppose. You could look at it that way. My notes virtually non-existent. Segments gone. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. And I hope... Uh, uh, th good things will brew from this change is the hope. And, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, okay. So let me start off by saying, um, uh, and I think I used to like, if you read an episode description from, uh, 599 and prior, you're kind of seeing my notes. Basically the only difference is I would have a link to say, if it's a movie, I'd had a link to the IMDb. Uh, if it was a book to the Goodreads, a game to usually the Wikipedia, sometimes to the steam page, uh, internet stuff just, well, it's on the internet. I have a link to the, <laughs> to the internet. Uh, and, and that was sort of what my notes were. And then of course the sponsors, eh? Uh, and that was kind of it. Um, what I've decided to do, at least for the time being, in terms of show notes, uh, just just to try it out. I, I debated using Evernote, but it seemed like an extra step uh, and maybe not worth it. But it, I, I may revisit this decision. What I'm going to do is create a email thread for each episode. Um, and then just anytime I think of something I want to maybe talk about, uh, I uh, respond to it, and, uh, you know, then that turns into a show is the idea. Uh, we'll see if it works. Okay, so one month, uh, see, I've just got some little notes here to read. One month podcast break, an idea that may not be scheduled as religiously. Yeah, uh, okay, so that's a, a, and then I wrote here, maybe, in capital letters, to signify its importance. Yeah, uh, I think I will do the one month between episodes 600 and 601 just because you know I want to have people realize that you know I do this as I please yeah you can't force me to do this and uh just the fact that I might not have an episode every single week maybe I'll have uh, maybe I'll have two in one week hey I don't know Maybe I'll have a uh, 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 one and then skip a week and then one and skip a week. Who knows? The world is our metaphorical oyster. Is, it, is, it, is that a metaphor or is it an aphorism? Is it a simile? It's, it's something. It's something. Uh, scrap the perfect handshake and how I miss them a bit oddly. <laughs> what the fuck? All right. So uh, that was only six days ago I sent that and yet I don't remember. Okay, yeah, so, you know, in, in in the before times, you would, or at least I would, one would, 
often, not hesitate before giving a hand- handshake. Now, although I have given handshakes in the uh, in these uh, uh, after times, I suppose we can call them, um, they're a little more sort of reticent. Do we? Don't we? There's the sort of there's there's this. I feel like there's a subtle dance. Um, between uh, you and the person uh, deciding whether we're going to shake or not. And you know what I feel like it is? There's definitely an age uh, component to it. Like the handshakes I have had uh, have been more in the realm of with uh, with older gentlemen who are sort of, it's so ingrained in them that uh, when you meet someone new that you shake their hand, you know, look them in the eye, strong, uh, firm handshake. Uh, uh, that it's almost impossible for them not to. And you know what? I find myself straining at the very least to decide whether I uh, should or should not. I I should not, you know, scientifically. uh, You boil it down to what is the smartest move. Uh, We shouldn't be shaking hands anymore. Yeah, get rid of it. Bowing. Hey, you know what? Japanese have been doing it for, you know, thousands of years, probably. They seem to do okay. Uh, so you know getting rid of it is uh, is not a bad thing it's funny because i do remember it was not my dad it was my mom and i feel like she saw me at a young age you know probably under 10 even or, or maybe around 10 uh shaking someone's hand and seeing that i didn't have like a strong handshake it was sort of like a weak you know you know a wet fish i i think i've heard weak handshakes described as and gave me a literal lesson on how to uh, uh, shake a hand and uh, since then I think what I've always done <laughs> I don't know if I've done it consciously but once I started thinking about it I sort of thought of this it's um I go just a tinch that's not I'm not sure if that's a word a tinch a scooch a, 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 a bit just a teeny teeny little bit shake harder than I think I should uh, so <laughs> like, 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 get a, get, get a firm, strong uh, handshake and then just go one little step further. Um, uh, you know, that's my strategy for the firmness of a handshake and it seems to have paid off. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I was, have my handshakes paid off. Uh, a lot of handshake deals I make. Uh, okay. So yeah, that's the sort of freaking. why would I throw that on a note and then talk about it for some minutes? I don't know. I don't know, but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, all right. So I, I have watched a fair amount of movies. So, uh, you know, I'm going to pepper those in here. Uh, firstly, in terms of the order in which I watch them. Well, this looks like a Photoshopped picture on the, on the IMDA, uh, is from 2021. Don't look up which I think, at least from my time perspective, is the number one, you know, movie on Netflix <laughs> right now. So, you know, there's a logic to that that I would watch it, I suppose. Um, two low-level astronomers. Are there levels of astronomers? Hmm. Interesting. Two low-level astronomers must go on a giant meteor tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet Earth. Spoiler, it may or may not. Ah. Yeah, you know what? The, uh, in the before uh, times, no, not in the before times, pre-599, I need a quicker way of saying that. I would give uh, at the top of every show a spoiler warning. So I should probably 
for the purposes of talking of media that you may not have consumed that I have, uh, uh, still give that as a sort of warning uh, that I might spoil things. Sometimes I try not to, like I'm going to with this. Um, but it, you know what? Uh, I'll say this. It's almost irrelevant to the movie whether or not the asteroid destroys the planet or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's sort of a good way of thinking about it. This is, uh, of course, star, uh, stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence. we got Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, which is uh, interesting because the uh, Mrs. and I both did not recognize her uh, at first. So that's interesting. Uh, we've got uh, 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 Jonah Hill, Tyler Perry. Oh, yeah, he was in there. Mark Rylance. What is he from? He looked a little familiar. Oh, BFG. <laughs> Dunkirk. Okay. Yeah, I guess I have seen him in a few things. Uh, anyways, now what I like about this movie is that it feels like it is incredibly realistic that the events that happen in this could happen in real life. What I hate about this movie is that the events of the film feel like they could easily happen in real life. So it's a real love-hate relationship. It's... It's basically happening now. Just instead of comment, it's COVID. And they both start with a letter C. Coincidence? Well, yes. Yes, it is. Uh, it, it's just people being told they are in danger. Human beings as a species being told they are in danger from a thing. And then... I was going to say too stupid to care. Mm, yeah, I guess when you boil it down, is that what it is? Too... Maybe stupid's not the right word, although it's definitely rolled into it. It's the human, uh, and again, as a species, you know, there's individual humans and then there's humans as a species, two very, very different things. Uh, humans as a species unable to look towards the future and see that the actions they are doing are going to cause them harm. It's just a, a sort of deeply ingrained thing that's, you know, an individual can uh, uh, look and see that a comet headed towards Earth that is going to destroy them all is a bad thing. And something should be done. Something should be done. But then, as a species, you know, it's just... We're fucked. We are fucked. Uh, this is... Uh, you know, it's interesting. We watched a few... Uh, <laughs> quite a few, I've realized, uh, uh, apocalyptic movies. We got this. We got uh, uh, Finch we watched... Uh, day after tomorrow we watched, uh, that's interesting. I didn't really uh, plan on that, but here we are, I guess. Um, so comment. Yeah. I, I think of the likelihood, if, if we're going to, uh, uh, rate apocalypses, apocalypse, I sure. Uh, the likelihood of each, you know, fairly likely it's, it's a fairly likely one. I, I'm, I'm still, as I said, when we talked about Finch, that's my uh, most likely one, the, uh, the solar flare that, uh, you know, destroys all electronics and that, uh, that sort of stuff. Uh, look up rating wise, rating wise, I go like a solid four and change. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely enjoy it. The, you know, one of the things I'm just realizing, looking at this picture is the interaction between, uh, uh, interactions between Jonah Hill and Jennifer Lawrence in this movie are pretty good. They're, they're, they're pretty fun, antagonistic to a fun, uh, uh, to a fun degree that I enjoy it. So, you know, we'll go just shy of five for that reason alone. Moving on to from 1998. Ooh, jumping back. 
in time. A sphere. Oh, yeah, this one. You remember this one? Yeah. A spaceship is discovered under 300 years worth of coral growth at the bottom of the ocean. Interesting. We've got Dustin Hoffman. We've got Sharon Stone. And we've got Samuel L. Jackson, among others. Uh, Yeah, if you haven't seen this... It was, uh, I feel like it was popular at the time, and it's definitely a movie that I, every once in a while, just sort of have that thought of, oh yeah, Sphere, yeah, that was good, uh, and then rewatch it. <laughs> I, I, I kind of don't know, yeah, is it a movie that I should be watched as many times as I have? Probably like four or five, if I had to guess how many times I've watched the movie Sphere. <laughs> You know what, Cube, I feel like I've only seen once or twice. I, sh- I should rectify that. Uh, yeah, so, again, trying to keep spoilers. Although it's fairly early on in this, so I'm going to spoil something. If you haven't seen a movie from 1998, come on, man. Uh, it happens fairly early on that we learn that the spaceship is actually, factually, and, and, and again, this is in the first, like, within under half hour, I would say, uh, we learn that it's a human spaceship from the future. Apparently interesting. Um, a, a human spaceship that seemingly was, you know, traveling the cosmos looking for cool shit and brought back something. Perhaps they shouldn't. Oh, so a uh, definite, uh, sci-fi e horror vibes. You know, what's interesting too. There's an other movie similar to this that I kind of like it had been long enough between viewings that I, uh, thought this was another movie <laughs> when I put it on. Like there's another one where it's like in space. And I have a very clear memory of a scene where one of the characters is like taken over by whatever's on the ship and it's sort of Borg-like in that he's, like, part man, part machine, part alien stuff. Uh, what is that movie, though? Because it's the one that I thought this was that I wanted to watch. Uh, that being said, this movie is fine. I guess not memorable enough for me to re- remember that it's not the movie I wanted to watch. Uh, so for that reason, you know, I'd go, like, uh, just shy of four. Just shy of four. Moving on to, from 2003, Big Fish. Oh, yeah, quite a different film from the uh, first two, certainly. Uh, two hours, five minutes. Huh. A frust... Oh, very short imda. Uh, a, frust- <laughs> a frustrated son tries to determine the fact from fiction of his dying father's life. So his dying father, played by none other than Albert Finney, love him, uh, 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 also played by, uh, Ewan McGregor, Ewan, 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 Ewan McGregor. Uh, so in the stories that, uh, Albert Finney is telling uh, on his sort of deathbed, kind of sort of, kind of sort of, um, we see him in the stories being played by, uh, Ewan McGregor. Uh, that's why when you look at the, uh, it says Ed Bloom, uh, and then in brackets, young, and then Ed Bloom in brackets, senior. Uh, uh, the son played by Billy Crudup and, uh, 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 we've got some Jessica Lang. Awesome. Helena Bottom Carter, Robert, uh, Guillaume, Marion Coltiard. These are some difficult names to say. Missy Pyle in there. Like her. Uh, all right. So, oh yeah. Uh, Matthew Gregory. He was, uh, uh, 
I assume he's probably passed away, sadly. Uh, it was at one time the world's tallest man. Oh, yeah, he died at the age of 32. That's sad. That's the thing about uh, really tall people. You don't see a lot of old tall people, do you? Which is uh, sad. Uh, also, I'm a fairly tall person, so <laughs> not ideal. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, so this is sort of a, a series of vignettes. It's sort of how you could look at it, of a man sort of telling tall tales. Um you know, things that are based on real life, we learn eventually, but, uh, you know, sort of jazzed up for the purposes of making them uh, interesting, which for some reason, uh, his son has a real problem with. It's interesting because the dynamic between father and son is a, a father who tells these tales and has done so for the entirety of the son's life. Uh, and the son, uh, who hates it, who, who has heard every story a million times, uh, is just sick of it. And everyone around him, uh, loves him, loves the tales. He, he is, uh, you know, if you want a story told, you come to this man and he'll tell you a tale and you'll be enthralled. You'll be enthralled and delighted. And yet the son hates it, hates it. Um, it's interesting because us as the viewer of the movie, uh, are enjoying the tales. So we're sort of on the side of the father. And, and, and I know myself have difficulty understanding why he so despises hearing these tales. They're, uh, you know, I, I love a story IRL. So I feel like if I were in the position of this, uh, the son, I would enjoy it. You know, what the hell, man, calm down. Your dad likes to tell the tale. Um, yeah. Tim Burton, yeah, you'll definitely see uh, uh, his touch in this. Uh, beautiful, beautiful, bizarre, and uh, uh, another movie that I have seen uh, more than once, uh, probably third or fourth viewing, if I had to guess. Probably third, I think third. Uh, Rating-wise, jeez, big fish. Great Sunday movie. Okay, so uh, since it's such a good Sunday movie, we'll go... 4.27 on a Sunday and less on any other day. Yes. There we go. Moving on to from 2004. Speaking of apocalypses, fuck, I didn't even realize. Actually, the next two, uh, which I also didn't realize. Uh, Watch with the Misses from 2004, Dawn of the Dead. Ah, yes. Yes. Uh, some... I, I, I've heard some sort of posit that uh, this is the movie that sort of really kicked off the uh, uh, zombie craze of the uh, of the uh, uh, the mid to late aughts, let's say. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, I could definitely put some uh, stock in that uh, assumption because it is really uh, of zombie movies, definitely one of the best, if not the best. Uh, and You'll see things in this that watching modern, I guess we still get them from time to time, zombie movies, uh, where all the tropes come from. It's, it's, you know, this is a remake too. Uh, I don't know if I ever actually saw the original. I think I did, but I think I watched it at an age where I was too young to sort of appreciate, uh, what it was and was just sort of like maybe bored by the not as good, you know, production values. Uh, maybe if I rewatched it now. So it is from, oh yeah, it comes up here when I look at the IMDb. 
it was made in 78. And when you look at the zombies in it, <laughs> you know, you could kind of see why uh, a younger viewer might watch it and be like, eh, okay, well, this is kind of kind of dumb. Uh, easy, easy, five out of five. Um, we've got uh, Sarah Pauly, Ving Rames, uh, Mickey... I, I don't know how to say his name. Uh, Jake Weber, I don't know if I recognize. Ty Burrell, I forgot he was in that. Uh, seeing Ty Burrell in a role of uh, an asshole was uh, definitely interesting. Uh, oh, yeah, I wanted to look up Lindy Booth. Was she from... What is she from? That I recognize her. Uh, so she plays sort of a young woman in this uh, who, you know, is uh, sort of fucks things up a couple of times. Was she in Cleopatra 2525? Sort of scrolling back. You know what? I could just look at because that's a fun thing to. And uh, you know what? Just on the note of me looking things up, um, in this post 599 world, uh, I figure occasionally there'll be some, uh, you know, just some fun uh, uh, googling. Cleo Pat, if I could spell Pat Ara twenty five twenty five. Which, if you haven't seen Cleopatra twenty five twenty five, what are you even doing? No, it wasn't her. Okay, I don't know why I thought it was her. That was Jennifer Sky. I guess I'm thinking of. Yeah, I was getting Jennifer Sky confused <laughs> with, oh no, no, Victoria Pratt is getting Victoria Pratt. Oh, did she pass away too? Okay, never mind. She's still alive. Everyone, calm down. Victoria Pratt is still alive. She, what was her last, uh, what was her last film? <laughs> Victoria Pratt known for is known for in no it's not in order okay Dracano okay she does some voice acting uh, she was in a movie called Dragon Apocalypse oh okay let me read the MDF for Dragon Apocalypse uh, a catastrophic volcanic eruption releases ancient dragon-like creatures on the surrounding areas. Scientists believe this could start a chain reaction of volcanic eruptions giving way to global dragon apocalypse. Well, you know, that movie gets a 5 out of 5 and I haven't even seen it. Dawn of the Dead, also 5 out of 5. Moving on to the final film. Resident Evil colon, welcome to Raccoon City. Speaking of zombies, although, you know, these are slightly different zombies, but, you know, zombies nonetheless. Uh, set in 1998, the origin story explores the secret of the mysterious Spencer Mansion and ill-fated Raccoon City. Um, so is this a reboot of the franchise, I guess we're assuming, which I don't think was needed. Uh, especially after watching it. Uh, you know, rating-wise, I'd probably go two-ish with some, you know, fun three or four moments uh, peppered throughout. I feel almost like what this movie was trying to do was to take, um, take you know, sort of famous scenes, fav famous set pieces from the video game franchise. Uh, specifically, I guess, the first, uh, the first game or the second game? 
or maybe both. Um, and then just have those appear in a movie sort of loosely interconnect, interconnected with a not very good story. Uh, uh, the girl who played Claire Redfield, uh, Kaya Scodelario. Huh. Uh, she's good. Uh, 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 I've seen her in quite a few things and, uh, she's always good. Yeah. It definitely uh, falls into the, uh, 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 category of young actresses who I think will be around for a while. Who, who have I predicted there? Chloe Grace Moretz, uh, Emma Watson, of course. Uh, I don't know. It's just sometimes when you see, or when I see, when one sees, who can say, uh, a young actress in a movie, uh, I feel like you could just tell that they're going to be around for a while. And uh, I feel like she's one. Um, yeah, really what else to say? Uh, you know, it's, it looks good. <laughs> Sounds fine. Fuck. Uh, yeah, whatever. Who, who really cares about resident evil colon welcome to raccoon city. That's an interesting title as well. All right. So moving on to, Oh my God. Okay. So <laughs> quite a jump from, Resident Evil colon <laughs> Welcome to Ratu City to this note. Explain my consciousness imagery and rather than try to explain did air quotes there, meditation in one go, throw some concepts and ideas that arrive from time to time like this. This visualization exists in consciousness along with everything. Okay, so yeah, uh, sort of going back to, I guess, episode 600, where we did some talk of meditation. And I knew going in, it would be hard to talk about it. Uh, the, 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 the verbiage, just the, the, the vocabulary of meditation, I, I still sort of working my way through it. Uh, and it's just a hard thing to explain what it is, I feel like. Uh, I, I know I mentioned in that episode that it's easier to explain what it not is. What it not is what it not is what it not is jesus christ um but uh one thing that uh, has sort of come from it is this idea that um you could sort of focus your mind on an image and use that to signify to uh, 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 represent, yeah, that's a better way of saying it, represent consciousness. Uh, so there's a couple of, I, I guess the, uh, uh, the, uh, the app that I use, what the hell is it called? I got it right in front of me. Is it calm app? It's not calm. It's, uh, waking up, waking up. Um, they don't necessarily give, I mean, a few times in the earlier ones, I think maybe they did, uh, uh, uh examples that you could use, you know, picturing like a ball of light, uh, uh, as your consciousness and, and things sort of arising in it. Yeah. I, I tried that one. I tried, um, and it's fine. Uh, I tried, uh, there's an episode of Star Trek, the original series where there's like these, uh, glowing sort of, uh, pastel almost, uh, spheres that contained the consciousness of individuals. Uh, so then I sort of pictured that because, you know, I, I don't mind having a little fun. It doesn't have to be 100% serious 100% of the time when you're doing things like meditation, you know, have some fucking fun while you're doing it. Right. Uh, so I pictured that, uh, and, and that was okay. But, uh, the one I landed on, uh, and, and this is going to be probably hard to explain as well is okay. So, uh, picture, if you will, uh, a vast, incredibly vast open sort of blank field filled with 
um, cubes and other sort of a, a colorful shapes that just goes on and on into the distance. Um, in the, in, as far as you can see, and then there's like, you know, sort of mountains there. And the interesting thing I've, I've found about the mountains and, uh, uh, as I continue with this practice, it's as if the, the, the mountains in the distance sort of, uh, get further and further away. Uh, eventually, you know, you, you, you feel like it's just going to totally disappear. And, and, and these, these cubes that represent, oh yeah, maybe I should say that the, these cubes that represent thoughts, they represent, uh, uh, feelings, they represent, uh, uh, you know, everything from, if I hear a sound, uh, a, a cube will, you know, sort of light up. That's the sound. If I, he if I feel my back against the, uh, beanbag chair that I meditate in, uh, that is a, is a cube sort of lighting up somewhere. Uh, a, a thought that, uh, intrudes and intrudes is not the right word. A, a thought that happens, a thought that I notice while meditating that will light up. Um, focusing on the breath, that's, uh, sort of, a series of cubes, uh, you, you see a sort of section light up uh, and, and go off into the distance. Um, and then, because you are not purposely trying to light these cubes up, you're not purposely trying to uh, uh, elicit emotion, uh, uh, have a, a, a purposeful thought, you're just trying to notice the thoughts that do arise, um, the plane is bisected by a uh, infinite mirror. So you're not actually uh, uh, looking out at the plane. You are the mirror. You are just seeing what arises in this plane of, you know, uh, cubes and shapes that go off into infinity, hopefully infinity. Right now there's the, 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 the mountains in the distance. Okay. <laughs> totally makes sense, right? Jesus. <laughs> that sounds insane. I feel like, but also pretty cool. Pretty cool. I think. Um, you know, in terms of, uh, uh, oh yeah. And then sort of my last sentence there, this visualization, this visualization exists in consciousness. So the, the, the very thought that I am sort of picturing this as my consciousness, that is one of the cubes that is not separate from the, the cubes in the mirror and the, that, that is a, 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 a thing lighting up. Uh, so, so that's cool as well. I think it's cool. I don't know what I'm doing. I, you know, like with a lot of things, fucking most things in my life, I just sort of wing it, uh, do what feels right. And sometimes, you know, shit happens that, uh, feels right. All right. Uh, moving on to, uh, oh yeah. Uh, so we had, um, uh, January 1st, I guess it was. Yeah, cool. Uh, I watched it afterwards, but, uh, Taskmaster's New Year, New Year's treat. Ah. Uh, it just was a little, uh, uh, one of, uh, Taskmaster, um, that was, you know, not part of a series as a whole, just sort of a delightful little surprise. So that was nice. Uh, we've got, uh, Adrian Childs, who I look vaguely familiar. Actually, let me open his, uh, little link here. British television and radio presenter and writer. Best known for The One Show. Okay, I've heard of The One Show, but uh, not something I have uh, experienced. Claudia Winkleman, who I know. I've seen her in lots of stuff. Uh, Johnny Peacock. 
Uh, well, that was interesting. Johnny Peacock, uh, he's a sprint runner, won gold in the Olympics. Uh, okay, so he was doing the... Um, he was doing the actual events, the tasks rather. Um, but, uh, he wasn't there in studio. Instead, they had, uh, Alan Davies, who I'm a big fan of, uh, in the studio for the, uh, for the segments there. So that was interesting. I wonder why that was, I guess he just couldn't, uh, couldn't get there for whatever reason. Uh, then we have, uh, Lady LeSure, Lady LeSure, where is she from? Uh, stage name Lady LeSure. Uh, British rapper, singer, songwriter, and producer. Best known for Queen's for her Queen's Speech series of okay. Uh, yeah, she was uh, she was fun uh, and seemed to have fun, which I, I think sort of goes hand in hand. That uh, if you are on a television show and it seems like you're having fun, that means you know uh, us, the viewer, are living vicariously through that fun. So I, I liked her. Um, and uh, Saida Warsi. The Right Honorable Baroness. Oh, wow. A British lawyer, politician, member of a house. What the hell? <laughs> I didn't realize that. That's uh, interesting to see her on <laughs> Taskmaster. Yeah, she was fun as well, actually. Uh, so, you know, I liked it. Uh, uh, you know, throw an honorable mention. Uh, if you haven't seen any episodes of Taskmaster, you, you know what you could do? You could start with this. Um and then see what, uh, uh, the, the only difference being that, uh, they'll string a bunch of these episodes together, uh, and, you know, have a, a, a season as we would call it over here and, uh, have a winner at the end. Whereas this is just one episode. Uh, yeah. Laughs galore. I recommend speaking of recommending things. Mm -hmm. watching some Star Trek The Next Generation as the missus and I have been doing. I just wanted to throw out a couple episodes sort of. Uh, we're into, we're, we're getting near season four, which is exciting, uh, because I, I feel like you hit season three and the majority of episodes are good, um, from here, from here outwards, not that any of them are bad from my perspective, who just sort of loves everything Trek, regardless of, uh, you know, there's bad episodes doesn't mean I don't love them if they're, they're bad. I guess there's a few like, uh, what one did we skip? There was one that we skipped. Like, it came on. I'm like, oh, fuck, this one. I, I You know what? I should have made a note of it. I think it was in season two or season one. Anyways, I wanted to talk about uh, Hollow Pursuits. Uh, and I wanted to talk about The Offspring. Oh. Uh, two episodes that I love for two different reasons. Uh, let's start with Offspring, because that was first. Uh, this is the episode... Uh, and I know I've said this before, uh, I am a, uh, you know, Star Trek is of my nerdy loves, uh, is, uh, my, my nerdy fandoms is definitely my first and, uh, foremost, not by a long shot, but definitely, uh, noticeably so. Um, despite that, I don't know episode titles, uh, like to find this, I had to type into Google, you know, uh, uh, Data's daughter. I think I typed it because in this episode, Data creates a daughter. Fascinating. Um, you know, again, this is a show from like when did this air? Uh, written by does it not say? Doesn't have original air date. I thought it did. Oh, first aired nineteen ninety. 
March 12, 1990, first aired. So if you haven't seen a television, an episode of a television program from 1990, I, I, I feel like I can say things that are spoilery. For example, his daughter fucking dies in this, and I cry every time I watch the episode. <sighs> I know it's coming, <laughs> and yet every goddamn time. Uh, yeah, uh, it's just a, 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 at times fun, lighthearted, just delightful episode. Uh, Brent Spiner, just incredible. The emotion he can elicit from being a emotionless, you know, entity is uh, incredible. You know, if, this is the same with Spock. Uh, Spock and Data, not dissimilar in, you know, characters that uh, don't have emotions. And we're definitely going to put that in quotes because Spock being half human, you know, would have them peek through from time to time. And, you know, Vulcans in general sort of have very strong emotions. They're just under control. So uh, Data, on the other hand, you know, supposedly just incapable of emotions because it's not part of his program. Um, uh, he does things that seem like they are emotional. Now, you could argue, I suppose, that that's part of programming. Um, and he sort of, sometimes I feel like he vacillates between these two states, these obviously unemotional despite the fact that he should be and then hints at things that seem emotional despite the fact that they should not be um so it's a it's a very fine line and i think he does uh, he does tread it well let's say but god damn that's a sad episode uh what was his uh lol yeah that was her name and what was that based on uh uh uh, uh. Did he explain lol? Uh, L-A-L. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, Data's daughter's name. I forget why. It meant something. But I don't readily see it here, so I'm not going to look further because I'm not a professional, as we have learned. Uh, moving on to Hollow Pursuits. Oh, the first episode with Lieutenant Barkley. Goddamn, love me some Barkley. Uh, I've heard it said, so this is not something new, um, but I've heard it said that, uh, Barkley is sort of the most realistic, uh, character in all of Star Trek. Now that's probably less true now that we've got, uh, characters who are, are a little more realistic. Um, and, uh, in Deep Space Nine, I feel like we've had more realistic characters. Um, but you know, in the original series, definitely in the next generation, I feel like it's most obvious it's characters who are, you know, like for the most part, like perfect. They, you know, they, they don't really have issues. They don't, uh, argue with one another. Um, famously, I think I've heard it said, uh, hard to write for these characters just because, you know, uh, part of the... I guess lore almost you would say part of the lore is that uh you know we exist in a time where uh, friction between people does not exist somehow yeah <laughs> it seems so unlikely uh so when you have this character who has you know not ideal personality traits uh it makes him feel a little more realistic than those around him um so if you're unfamiliar with Barkley or broccoli, as the captain calls him right to his face. Uh, you know, it's funny, uh, in this episode, the captain accidentally called uh, Barkley broccoli. And in, I think, the one, like, immediately after, uh, uh, where they think Data dies, 
uh, he calls Worf Data just because Worf is like sitting in Data's old spot. So apparently Captain Picard, not the greatest with names. Um, yeah, uh, Barkley addicted to uh, Hollow Suite, holodeck programs. Mm-hmm. Which, why wouldn't you be, right? He does things that obviously you would do these things. Uh, like if you had a jerk for a boss, uh, why wouldn't you create your boss uh, in in a in a super reali- realistic holodeck program and beat the shit out of him, right? Why wouldn't you? Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting too, cause they do say, um, like you would assume this sort of thing would be, uh, like f- not only frowned upon, but like against regulations or impossible. Like if you asked a computer, create a version of, uh, my boss, uh, so I can beat him up. The computer should be like, should be like, no, we're not allowed to do that. That's, that's wrong. Uh, let me have your, you know, super high powered access codes or some such, some sort of security involved in order to be able to do that. Also, he's guaranteed boning some of the, (laughs) uh, Deanna, probably Dr. Crusher, who knows who else he's, uh, he's getting freaking there. Although if we've learned anything from lower decks, the, uh, sort of freeness uh, the, the sexual freeness that exists in the, uh, in the, what century is this? Uh, whatever century that this takes place, uh, you know, it's, it's much more loosey goosey, let's say, mm-hmm. which is why the holodecks have to be cleaned often. Ew, fluids, gross. Uh, yeah. So this was a uh, Barclay's first episode. Uh, I recommend it and with a lot of, uh, Star Trek, uh, especially Next Generation, less so Deep Space Nine. You could just hop into any episode, and uh, you, you don't have to. You know, you, you could hop into this one and find enjoyment. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, all right, looks like I have. Oh yeah. Um, okay, so this is a YouTube that I've been watching. Uh, it is called uh, Rykon Roleplays. R Y C O N. Cool. Uh, the ones of, uh, the video series that I have been watching of his, but I see he's got a couple more, so I'll probably hop into those. Uh, he's playing a game called, uh, CDDA, which is Cataclysm Dark Days Ahead. Uh, a game I have experimented with a little bit, but it's very, very complicated. It's sort of dwarf fortress levels of complication. <laughs> uh, you know what, that would be, I'm not... I don't know if I mentioned this in 600. Um, I'm not doing episode titles anymore. I'm just going to be like, this is episode 601 and this descriptions are all going to be the same. Hey, you know what? Either you're here or you're not. But uh, if I were to title this, I would probably, uh, it just popped in my mind, something along the lines of cataclysm. Dark days ahead has dwarf fortress levels of complication. Ooh, it's kind of nice sort of, ring to it that sentence i enjoy it yeah uh okay so uh, uh he's playing this game role playing this game where uh, uh they start at the bottom of a mine and uh his his character he's playing has to get out of the mine you know sort of uh, escape the city and uh, make his way to some sort of base uh we, we, he hasn't got there yet i'm on episode nine i don't know if he is gonna get there 
things are looking a little dicey for his character. Uh, and in fact, he's had one character die already. And then uh, I think the first character he played died in the first episode. And then the second character sort of started in the same spot and found the body of the first character. That was a cool little... Like, did that actually happen, or did he add that? I, f I feel like it actually happened in-game, uh, which is fascinating. Uh, yeah, this game is... It's hard to explain, so I won't. But what I want you to do is go uh, watch one of these videos. Uh, Bottom of a Mind Challenge, CDDA, Episode 1, Rikon Roleplays. Uh, you can find it without, I'm sure. Um... And then watching this episode will give you an idea of what this game does, how involved and deep and just mind-bogglingly, uh, I don't know if I want to say realistic, it's just uh, like in D&D, &D, which we're going to talk about in a second, it's almost like you can do anything. And to say that of a video game is unrealistic usually and even in this case it is it's just the levels of complexity involved uh it, it's just sort of and the sort of moving parts and the interactivity of everything with everything else is, is really sort of a fascinating thing to watch uh so you know i recommend that rikon role plays um, lastly, uh, speaking of, you know, I just mentioned D and D, uh, I've got my first session that I'm running in, geez, had to be like two months, probably two or more even. Uh, so I have that tomorrow, a little nervous, you know, you, uh, you do a thing for long enough and then you don't do it for a while. You wonder if you know, if you've lost it, I don't think I've lost it. It's just going to probably be a little rusty. You know, I haven't, I haven't run a game. I've played a, I've played a fair amount, which I think will help. The fact that I, I'm still, you know, role playing. It's just uh, now I'm, uh, I'm, I'm DMing. A, a, I'm going back to my campaign. Uh, my campaign sliders, which uh, if you are a long time listener, you will know of as I have read uh, recaps over. I see I haven't read a recap in a long time because I haven't really been running it or really writing recaps. I, I just sort of fell off. I think it was a combination of a few things. It was job stuff. Um, there was some motivation stuff, just not being motivated to do it. Then there was the holidays as well. You know, looking for a job, new job, uh, a lot of job stuff, which sadly, a lot of, I feel like just life in general revolves around that. Uh, like last night I was up until friggin' like, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw one o'clock on the clock at one point, which is ridiculous. Also, when you uh, consider that I was up at like five, six in the morning, not ideal. I am tired. I am tired. A slight headache, which is weird for me because I very rarely get headaches. But a situation like that, I feel like, you know, that deserves a headache a little bit. Um, and, and it was mostly because of thinking of work stuff, which I, I just wish, you know, a, a, a genie-like wish to be able to f leave work, flip a switch, and no longer think of work. How amazing would that be? You get, you, 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 the, the, the only thing that the switch wouldn't turn off was knowing maybe that, uh, uh, you have to go to work, you know, the next day, but everything else just gone. And, and, and even that, maybe it could just be, 
you know, uh, oh, yeah, I have to get up this time tomorrow. I'm not sure why, but I know I have to. And then when you get up and get going, it's like, oh, yeah, it's because I have to go to work. Oh, I guess that would hit you, though. <laughs> Fuck it. I'd rather have that, uh, you know, that however many minute hit of knowing I have to go to work than just the fact that it's keeping me up sometimes until one o'clock in the morning just with thoughts racing that are not 100%, but a very high percent of just work-related shit. Uh, and not even necessarily bad things, just, like, ideas, maybe, sometimes. Uh, com- the, the classic uh, 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 insomniac uh, uh, conversations that have I have not had, that if they were to happen, this is how I would respond to them. Does anyone else do that? Yeah, not great. Um, you know what it was, too, is uh, it was a combination of a few things. It's uh, the last, like two nights uh two or three nights uh i had smoked pot um before bed uh which you know i do that knocks me right out i have a great sleep bada boom bada bing um but also i don't want to get to the place where i have to do it so occasionally i will try to do without uh occasionally i will i uh, in fact let me try to guess a percent hmm if I don't smoke pot before bed and try to sleep without its aid, uh, I am able to get to sleep. God, it's probably like fucking 50% of the time. Uh, like I wish it was higher or lower, but it's the fact that it's so probably near 50% that makes it suck because it's like a fucking coin toss. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, 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 as I say, it's, it's nice to try without, uh, uh, and I just failed last night. The only reason I knew I, well, not knew, but, uh, the only reason I did try is because I got nothing to do today. I got the whole day to relax, fucking loving it. Uh, and uh, I've realized, you know, if I don't get a good night's sleep, at least I'm just at home doing whatever the hell I want all day. So, you know, I got that to look forward to what am i gonna do with my day oh, okay yeah let's talk about that um you know what i did let me see i think i might have even yeah friday plan okay up earliest to record podcasts or uh skyrim uh the librarian thing uh which i talked about enough uh in episode 600 so you can listen to those um okay and then what do i see here Sometimes I like to do this, like just write a little list of a plan for a day. So this is my Friday plan. Uh, just so it's like, you don't have to think about it anymore. You got it written down. Uh, and also so that you can sort of anticipate how fun it's going to be. Um, okay. So up early-ish, which I guess I was, uh, <laughs> record podcast or a uh, Skylib when Emily leaves, uh, but she's working from home today. So I'm not going to record that. Um, I don't know. You know, it's weird. I don't. I do sometimes record when she's here, record those, but I find maybe I don't like it as much. Like I'm a little more reticent or not as, I just don't get into it as much when she's here versus when I'm in the, when I'm home alone recording them. So, you know, although uh, I am going to record one Sunday, but uh, I'm going to get up early and do it. So, you know, anyways, um, uh, around lunch, going to smoke a bunch of pot. Mm hmm. Uh, and have ribs for lunch. Remember to take 
ribs out of the freezer, which I have done. Uh, uh, so yeah, smoke pot, eat ribs, watch the new season of letter Kenny fucking awesome. That's going to be so good. Uh, uh, smoke some pot, watch one of the funniest shows currently on television. Yes, please. Uh, also do some D and D prep, uh, if did not get to, which I did not get to. <laughs> so, uh, as soon as I'm done recording this, I'm going to do some of that for, uh, you know, a couple hours probably. Um, I'm mostly done prepping. It's just, I had an idea. Uh, so what I'm doing in this next session is they are going to Mount Celestia. Cool. Uh, again, uh, uh, long time listeners will know, but if you're not, if you're somehow joining a podcast at episode 601, first of all, I love you, you weirdo. Uh, but my players are systematically uh, sliding from each and every plane of existence in the multiverse. So they had just come from the plane of water. Uh, but uh, they were actually pulled from the plane of water to the plane of ooze where the plane of ooze was battling with the plane of salt. So they helped with that. Uh, and then they returned home to the sort of hub world. Uh, and, uh, we ended with them sliding to Mount Celestia, um, where they are going to be. Now this is going to come out way after the session. So, uh, not that I think <laughs> any of my players listen to this. Not that I think anyone listens to this, to be honest. Uh, they're going to be battling their ancestors. Now I have story reasons why it's going to make sense, which I won't get into, but, uh, I asked them for some details of some of their, uh, ancestors, uh, uh, and then sort of turn those into, uh, uh, NPCs that are going to battle them to the quote unquote death, which is exciting. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's what I got to look forward to. Uh, hopefully it will be fun and interesting. I think it will be. I think it will be. Uh, all right, folks. Well, Hey, that was an episode. That was the first, you know, no training wheels episode post episode 599. And I think it went okay, but also I have no idea. Yeah. Feedback. Uh, virtually non-existent on this podcast because there are virtually no listeners, which is why it feels very freeing to do this. I like it. I don't want more listeners. Get out of here. Okay. Well, I, I suppose if it, uh, you know, given the, the, uh, that similar to that switch in your mind to forget about work, if a switch was offered to suddenly have this be the most popular podcast in the world. And for me to be able to quit those aforementioned jobs and make billions of dollars. Yeah. Okay. I'll flip the switch. I suppose, I suppose folks, we are still going to end the podcast with the same phrase that pays that I have ended every single episode, which is if I don't know if I've ever said what it's from, it's from uh, mash, uh, the television show mash, uh, Frank Burns says it, uh, I think he's like, f if I do recall, and this is just off the top of my head, but if I do recall, he's like flustered talking to a woman, I, to a, a woman, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And he says what I'm about to say, which is it's nice. To be nice to the nice. That was...